Hello, and welcome to Real-Time Strategy, a podcast all about the gaming industry, except for when it's not my own personal tagline. Uh, <laughs> I'm Caitlin Rudwing, and I'm joined once again by my ever-wonderful co-host, Sam Mosier, and my events partner in crime, Mel. Thank you, Gazazian. I guess I said Sam's last name, but I did not say Mel's last name. Um, I do know Mel's last name. Um, thanks. Thank you again for joining us, Mel. Um so excited to have you on. Last time you came on, we talked about TwitchCon. And since then, you and I have now been to another event, which, as you can see by my shirt, maybe <laughs> a little bit of a spoiler, but we went to BlizzCon um, and had a lot of fun. It was Blizzard's first BlizzCon in four years and our personal first since we both started working with Blizzard um, since their last BlizzCon. So it was an experience all around. But We'll dive into that, and then we'll dive into a couple other like pretty big industry stories from the last couple of weeks, one being the incoming reveal of a new Grand Theft Auto game and the live-action Legend of Zelda movie that was announced and is in pre-production. Um, and then, yeah, I think that's that will be our show for today. Um, I'm happy Who to have you Who knows what else on. will happen? I know. I'm like, hmm, what else can I like throw in here? Who knows? <laughs> Something not gaming related, probably. <laughs> the, I'm kind of thankful that we have the Zelda movie to discuss because that's the, the beauty of all of these game adaptations that are happening is that I don't have to force or Caitlin. That's what's great about our partnerships. We both want to talk about movies on the gaming podcast, but now yeah. we're talking about gaming and movies in the same story. It's great. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, so then we don't have to just for you. Yeah, yeah, they really did. It's it's so that Sam and I don't have to make yet another podcast. <laughs> Thanks, Mimoto-san. That would Mimoto be a good name for new game. That would be, a, oh my God, I'm having a stroke. That would be a cool name <laughs> for a podcast that probably already exists, but yet another podcast. <laughs> well, speaking like of speaking of thankful, I'm not sure if you use that word as a coy way pivot this conversation but we are off next week for thanksgiving so we will not have a podcast episode next week so in lieu of that our intro question is what is everyone thankful for this year and i realize i didn't even come up with an answer for this but while i think of what i'm thankful for um sam why don't you start with so as always very thankful for the amazing people in my life, including both of you who I get to do this podcast with and friends and family, but that's basic and I love them and they know I love them. Um, so we're at that time of year where uh, I get to reflect and be thankful for all of the amazing art that came out this year. Um, particularly, you know, it's funny, uh, Caitlin and I just talked about our love for movies in a year that its main entertainment headline was dominated by the writers and actors strike. It has been a very phenomenal year for movies. Uh, Oppenheimer, Killers of the Flower Moon, Past Lives um, oh. are three amazing movies I've seen, not to mention like comedies are back. Theater Camp Bottoms are so freaking good. And like No Hard I, Feelings. My, my, no Hard Feelings so is hilarious. Um, and then that's all goes without saying that like the next month and a half, like there's two movies every week I want to see and by no means I'll be able to keep up with. 
I so wish, I'm thankful for that. <laughs> I think I'm unthankful for that because I have been so busy. I feel like just like traveling and events and work. And there have been so many games that have come out that I have like, I still haven't seen Killers of the Flower Moon and I'm like kicking myself for it. And I had a cough like throughout the weekend still. So I didn't go see the Marvels, even though I really want to. Um, so that was my unthankful. I guess my <laughs> thankful... <laughs> That was not the question, but you know, I gotta. <laughs> that works. I gotta humble myself. Um, I am thankful for both of you guys for this podcast. Sam, you're amazing. I'm obviously, thankful for my cat who's loving <laughs> up on me right now on screen. Um, Mel, you are an amazing partner in crime. I genuinely like love doing those shows with you. It's <laughs> don't make that face at me because I'll start crying. Um, I'm gonna start crying. <laughs> but you're also just like oh, you're such a good friend i love that we're both in la and get to like hang out and do fun things together and like share our nerdiness um and like my family and friends and everything i don't know that was like again sam said that was like the basic answer or whatever but like it's true um let's see if i could find think of like an unbasic thing to be thankful for but <laughs> <clears throat> I'm thankful I did not get bronchitis for the second time this year. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's yeah. the small things, right? <laughs> Can I give an answer that's not a joke? We'll see. Like it's the it's on brand. Ending it's question. on theme. I know. I just I gotta stop with the the, the jokes, guys. Um <laughs> no, I think that it's a good enough answer for me. Mel, what are you thankful for? Well, um, I'm gonna do a combo of both of your answers so go with the basic and with the uh the media focused but um i am ridiculously grateful for this podcast and every time i tell the story i do make caitlin cry but um real-time strategy is the reason that i found triple point in the first place so i love being able to be here um as a guest i love being able to listen and watch you guys every single week um now and i just i i love i love this format i love this platform um and i love that both of you as hosts so Love that. Um, as for like media, new music is something that I am ridiculously mm. grateful for. Um, whether it is artists from like my my record of choice, or to uh, many people's surprise, if you know me well, you know I don't listen to Taylor Swift. Um, <laughs> Caitlin has Caitlin has changed that, and I have been listening oh, to a wow. lot of Taylor Swift recently. Uh, so, so congrats, Caitlin, this is a, a dub for you and a dub for Taylor Swift. And, uh, I am, I'm very, I, I guess I'm entering my Taylor era. I don't know. It's weird. I never I, thought I would hear the words come out of my own mouth. <laughs> Mel, I need you to like, do like actual like album, like sit down and just listen to Evermore. Cause I think you're an Evermore girly. Like I'm the folklore girly and I think you're my Evermore sister album. Like, I don't know how, how to explain that other than that's so how I feel deep in my deep in my soul that almost made me more emotional than your story about the podcast <laughs> and how that's how you're at triple point but honestly that's because i had to like tune you out because that story actually does make me cry when you talk about it <laughs> yeah it's okay i'll make you cry eventually but with love <laughs> yeah <laughs> caitlin um, it's good to know you're you're a folklore girly because this is why I again we're a great co-hosting duo is because i'm an i'm an evermore boy <laughs> Uh, I also <laughs> I also would have said that. Yeah. <laughs> I I am basically the depressed one of the bunch. 
<laughs> so yeah, um, a full review for me on my Taylor Swift era very soon. Yeah, this also I think all star all stemmed from we were listening to like country music and Mel was like yeah. something about like didn't have like a ton of female artists to listen to in the country genre and I was like wait one second I have a cowgirl <laughs> or cowgirl like me playlist and I played mm-hmm. that song and she Mel was like wait okay I sat there I was driving like, and I was like this is so pretty. I think she just like casually like liked it on the liked dashboard. It, yeah. She's like, like, and I was like, interesting. And then I went to play other Taylor music and she had it like all muted. And I was like, why is all of Taylor muted? Nah. I was like, we're going to change this. Well, given uh, that like Taylor Swift closed the Venn diagram on like sports fans this year by dating Travis Kelsey, I feel like next year, I hope her and Travis, I mean, I, full supporter i'm you know for those who don't know i I live in kansas city big supporter of that relationship (laughs) but through somehow some way i hope taylor swift like conquers the gamer venn diagram next year i don't know how whether it's the official taylor video game or (laughs) the taylor Fortnite drop. i'm I'm shocked i don't have like a kansas city chief sweatshirt or shirt near me i actually think i have a t-shirt right here um you want to see my laundry? <laughs> you had it ready. <laughs> yeah. Well, I like just did a load of laundry and it's sitting in the hamper next to me. Um, I promise that was a clean shirt. That was not dirty clothes. <laughs> like, mm, yeah, smelly. <laughs> yeah. No. Okay. You know what? Also, joke answer. I'm really thankful for Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. And I told my mom when Travis went and saw her concert, I was like, they would make a great couple. And I was like, and I'm, that is the, that's just the bisexual in me saying that. But I was like, but I believed it. And lo and behold, they're adorable, as I knew they would be. And I'm just, you know what? I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that she's... I am too. She seems happy. And seeing the Argentina um, concerts the past like few nights, mm-hmm. I, I didn't watch like the live shows, but I watched a lot of clips. And just like the lyric changes. I don't know. It just like... She just brings me so much happiness and joy in my life and has since I was like 12 years old. Whenever debut came out, I don't know how old I was. Like she has been a solid influence in my life musically and otherwise. So this is now a Taylor Swift fan podcast, guys. (laughs) We needed another thing to talk about. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Excuse me while I cough real quick. Okay, sorry about that. I might have to do that a few times. I'm still that con crud, guys. Well, it's real. At least it's not bronchitis. It's, I'm thankful for yeah, that. It's, it's not bronchitis. I can still <laughs> breathe. Don't sick again. <laughs> talk. Yeah. Um. Unthankful for my immune system. Thankful for the immune tea that I've been drinking, though. Okay, I'm gonna stop with the. <laughs> All right, let's talk about BlizzCon. I didn't have a transition for that. I kept waiting for an opening. Didn't see one. Um, Yeah, I I know I said, like, this is the first BlizzCon in four years. Um, It, like, for for being my first BlizzCon, I was really shocked at, like, I guess what BlizzCon is, because I'm so used to conventions being, like, a bunch of companies coming together. The show floor has, like, it's a bunch of booths. Everyone has their own, like, little thing going on. So I don't know why I didn't. I just, like, didn't put a lot of thought to what (laughs) the show floor would look like. But, like, BlizzCon really wowed me, even as someone who works in the industry, um, 
just seeing like all of the fans and the the show floor, like all of the um production that went into it, like the I don't know if we have any B roll of what the show floor looked like. Um but that's oh it's okay if not. Um but like yeah, Diablo just like had a really amazing like the the tree of was it the tree of souls. Tree Mal, of whispers. Is that, is that what it's trees of with tree of whispers? I knew that wasn't right when I said it. Um, like it was just everything was really beautiful. How it was put together, the Overwatch area had like a lot of really cool statues. The World of Warcraft area had the big sword that like you walked in and saw it. Like everything was just like really captivating and massive. And I honestly, if you're a fan of any of the Blizzard games, like you're kind of going to be like wowed as you're like walking through the show floor, which is really cool. But however, (laughs) we didn't get to spend much time on the show floor (laughs) because we were stuck in a lot of rooms doing interviews for the most part. Um, But yeah, Mel, what did you think of the show? I would be remiss to not talk about opening ceremony. First things first. Oh yeah. That that I, I was going to talk about that after I guess the show floor (laughs) stuff. But um, so the show floor though, speaking of it was, honestly like electric you walk in and there is something to look at in every possible corner i would be biased if i didn't say the diablo section um was my favorite but the uh entire setup there were like church pews which very on theme for you know the viewing area the overwatch uh league arena essentially like it was like as if you were walking to like a boxing match and they were just up there um it it was just so cool and there were so many lights and um there was always something to look at always something to do and no matter how many times i think we walked through the show floor we were able to see something new in every possible corner like it was so much fun and and something that they said that they were doing really different this year is making it truly a fan experience and like Caitlin said, like you as a fan, regardless of where you are, are going to love every piece that was put into that puzzle. Um, whether you were actually on the show floor in the hallways, like there were like Diablo beanbags that you could just like hang out on. And we would always like <laughs> peep over and, and look over to the first floor and you would see so many people just like crowded there hanging out, having a good time. Um, and I think that energy was really what carried a lot of the show floor from day one into day two. Um, and there were, of course, so many things to look at with the uh, the main stage. Like you can go to different events or different like campfire chats like they did for Diablo or um, just listen into more panels. And it was just, I don't know, like you could feel the joy in the air. And uh, I think that definitely came as a fun surprise for everyone, especially when there's so much work yeah. that goes behind the scenes. And then you get to like feel that love from the community, like it's, it was very present. Yeah. I feel like we kind of had like almost like tunnel vision leading up to the show. Cause just like so much work, like the team honestly puts blood, sweat and tears into like pulling the show off. Um, <clears throat> but like, it's just so like seeing it all come together when you like don't touch a lot of it and you're just focused on one tiny little piece, when you see how it slots in, you're like, oh, like it really is impressive. Um, and yeah, like I, Mel, you've like hit the hit the nail on the head. Like it really was a fan and community experience. Um, I think it will only the show will 
improve from here on out um, because it has been four years. Um, I think it'd be weird if I didn't say this because a lot of people will probably expect it, but um, not everything went smoothly at the show, which is I'm to be expected when it's, it's been four years. A lot of that industry knowledge was lost. Um, so the team really like everyone wants to put on a great show. So we've all learned so much from putting on BlizzCon and for it's, it's only going to get better guys. Like I'm, I can't even, even wait to like now start thinking <laughs> about next year's show because it just, even though it was a lot, it was also a lot of fun. And mm. yeah, the energy was, I think, the best part, which a lot of that energy came from opening night live, which we can talk about. That was what a joy being in that room, like the, the energy as yeah, you could, for those who are watching, you see on screen, um, that's Mikey Barra on stage talking. Oh, that was Phil Spencer. I lied unless that's a different clip, but I'm not wearing my glasses. So I'm blaming it on that. Um, they both feel like they had like similar outfits on. I know what Mikey Vara looks like, I promise. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's uh, there's so much like moments during the opening ceremony to call out. But my favorite and see that one's that's Mikey Vara. There he is. <laughs> um, my I'm biased, but my favorite part really was the World Soul Saga announcement for World of Warcraft. Um, I mean, I work on World of Warcraft, so that is my baby, my child. I like, I love it dearly. I've played it since I was a very young age. Um, so seeing like 20 years of this story kind of come to this like single moment where we announce like the trilogy to kind of, it's not wrapping things up. It's also like, it's the start of something new. Um, I don't know. I like, I got goosebumps as soon as that trailer started playing, during the show one because it just looks amazing and sounds amazing like blizzard really is just the leader when it comes to cinematics um in the industry right now it's everything looks like more real than you think possible but not in an uncanny valley way um and yeah i don't just like the cheers for that the cheers for chris metzen um father warcraft as i call him <laughs> um yeah, nothing really beats that moment for me. What about you, Mel? What was your favorite part of the opening ceremony? I mean, like I said, Diablo is one of my favorite games that I get to work on. Um, so, of course, I was really excited to see the Vessel of Hatred get announced. It's really exciting to be able to say that, like, the first expansion is coming next year. Um and like, it's just really cool to hear the reception to such a new area. I got, well, not a new area. It's a return area. Um, and of course, you know, no better person to speak to Diablo than the general manager himself, Rod. Uh, he has a great stage presence and, you know, you, there were, um, just so many great moments for, for Diablo, but I will say the shift in the room once Chris Metzen got on stage, like <laughs> you can, you, you felt how much people loved um, and continued to love Warcraft. Like it is that, that moment alone, I looked over at Kayla and I was like, okay, well, I guess it's time for me to start playing World of Warcraft. Like it really, I, I was astounded. And that cinematic, like Kate, like I, I was, I've seen it, but watching it again, 
on the big stage with the lights and the production and and all of it. I was so impressed. Um, and it's just, you can't beat them. You really can't. When you have that much energy in a room and being on a live stage and seeing something like this that you love so much come to fruition in a new way, there's there's something really powerful about that. And, and Blizzard really, they know how to do it. Uh, and and uh, there's no other words for it. They just, they know what they're doing and they do it well. So uh, Diablo and Metzen were were my top top announcements. For they the, also gave us. For the, oh, go ahead. For Sam. the folks like unfamiliar, because uh, I I did some reading about Metzen in the World Soul Saga leading up to the episode. But Caitlin, like, what's the significance of of him returning to the franchise and what the World Soul Saga kind of represents in terms of like how Blizzard is tackling expansions for Warcraft? Yeah, Metzen. So Metzen worked on every single warcraft game up until 2016 when he retired um he was like senior vice president of story and franchise development he um was also involved in like overwatch i think he he voices bastion in overwatch 2 um he has like he just he's so ingrained in who blizzard like is and their games and how the impact World of Warcraft has, like a lot of that comes from Chris Metzen. Um, he's just like a master of like the lore. Um, and that's not to decredit the team. The team like that works on Warcraft is absolutely amazing. And they're all so passionate. And they also totally like, they understand Warcraft on a level that I never will. Like, it's just, it's very amazing. Holly Longdale, for instance, she's on screen for those watching. Also, her jacket during the show, this total sidebar, amazing. She looked incredible. Every single person who's ever on a show or on a stage for a show needs to step up their game and make a custom jacket that's about their game because she looks amazing. Um, anyway, so she's executive producer and vice president of Warcraft, but she's also just a gem of a human being. Um, so yeah, Chris Metzen is just like, he really is like, creator of like that warcraft universe touched a lot of the a lot of the story so him coming back is kind of of it's almost like a coming home for warcraft in a way um the shadowlands i think didn't have like the best reception when it came out um dragonflight has been received really well i personally really love dragonflight it's a lot of fun the dragon isles is a one of my like favorite areas right now um and so like i don't know the the team has kind of just been shifting in a new direction in a way but also like i don't know bringing chris back i can't really say like what that means other than it's it just gives a lot of people hope for like the future of warcraft um that doesn't all just land on chris's shoulders it's the entire team's shoulders and like what they want to do with war with warcraft and its story and like why like they wanted they wanted to do a saga that's that wasn't just like i don't know if that was maybe it was chris Metzen's idea i i don't know i'm not going to say anything definitively but i don't know it's just it's kind of cool to see someone who was there in the beginning and created such a strong foundation kind of come back for such a pivotal moment of warcraft's like history i mean it's next year is their 20 year anniversary so i'm going to say like it's been 20 years um, but not quite. 
which is just a very long time for a game to keep going and to have like all this lore tied together. And it's a lot. But it also means that like for new people who want to like jump in and play, there's a lot of story that you're missing out on, Mel, for one. Um, <laughs> but this this saga will be it will like tie things up, but it'll be great for people who, who have it. They're going to do it in a way that's like, you're just kind of starting a new story. And if you're not familiar, you'll get familiar. Yeah. I think that's a good point. Like I look at how Diablo four was um, put out this year, right? It was the fourth iteration in the game or in the, in the series overall, but it was truly an introduction for folks who haven't ever played Diablo games before. Uh, so I think Blizzard does a really good job of just trying to bring in players old and new. Like, there's a lot of respect for the fact that these franchises are that old and have so many players that are coming back. Um, and one of my favorite things from both opening ceremony and just a lot of like the messaging and how folks spoke about their games is the fact that some people grew up playing these games and now their kids are playing them. And there's like something magical in being able to say that I played this with my kids and now they get to play it themselves. Or uh, I played this and now I'm a father or a mother or whatever it might be. So it's really cool to see that, you know, Blizzard across the board is trying to make these games as available to both new and old players. And I I love it. It's one of my favorite parts of being able to to work on the account and being able to just learn all of the tribal knowledge from both the devs uh, and our counterparts. Like it's, it's fascinating to me how they do this. So speaking of the fans, because uh, as Caitlin noted at the beginning, uh, we've all been to events, but oftentimes they're fairly broad and it's a bunch of different companies attending and putting on things. And so there's little pockets of fandom here. But, you know, the cool thing about BlizzCon is it's all targeted um, and, and built for fans of Blizzard and its franchises. Uh, and, and it's especially cool about the, the opening ceremony because these in-person for lack of a better term, because that's what I grew up calling them, like press conferences are kind of a dying breed. Nintendo, PlayStation, all does virtual stuff. Like, you know, there's still the Game Awards where you get that kind of crowd excitement and fervor around excitements, uh, around announcements, that is. So whether it was the ceremony on Friday or I know you said you, you, know, you spent a lot of time helping with interviews and stuff on Saturday, um, but... Did you have any cool fan interactions? What was the energy like in the the ceremony hall? There one, was... Oh, go ahead, Mel. I was going to say, one of the biggest phrases that I have heard over and over again that I've <laughs> never heard so much in my entire life is for the horde. Um, oh, and that was hard. something that, like, it was so good. You would have one person yelling it from, like, the left side and another person yelling it from the right side. And then Chris Benson literally sat there and was like, all right, you want to do this? Let's do this. And he interacted <laughs> with the crowd. Um, so that was fun. But, like, seeing all of the cosplay, like, people yeah. are so incredibly talented. They had a cosplay, like... Uh, competition and the stuff that you would see on stage was next level i have so much respect for cosplayers who put so much love and heart into these outfits into these costumes into everything that they wear and there's so much love that goes into them um and then the other thing that was really special this year was a whole concert for the overwatch 2 collab uh with la seraphim like i 
have never seen like that much excitement and you get a whole concert from going to a con like i that's a win-win in my book like you get to see your favorite games and you get to go see an artist that you either have been dying to see or are looking forward to seeing uh i know a lot of people came back from that and were like i yes i stand i am a la seraphim fan now um and that's yeah. that's a lot there, of fun for, you know like for those who don't know la seraphim is a south korean uh girl like pop uh group and they yeah, have a, so, a lot of diehard fans. <laughs> so cool. It is so cool seeing all that in person. That's that's definitely like the special part of doing it in person. Of course, we're used to the virtual aspect. We have been doing this for three years now. We know what virtual conferences, what um, just virtual interviews, we know what all of that looks like. And of course, when you live in this like hybrid world now, you learn to adjust. And as a PR person, like you got to do what you got to do to accommodate both press and your devs and everybody involved. But there's definitely something really special about being able to have both the community there in person and press there in person for us and for them. Um, I think it's it's really cool to to connect with people that we haven't seen in a couple of years and being able to work with them really closely and, you know, just kind of mess around sometimes. Like, things don't always have to be so buttoned and share up. friendship bracelets. Yeah. Like, it's, this is, it's this is from so much fun. I, so I cool. just, I, I was, was like so a Taylor impressed. Swift thing. <laughs> no, if you saw, and Mike Ybarra had his when he was on stage, mm-hmm. too. We all, like, we shared friendship bracelets. I have um, Tracer and Farah. I have mine, but it's over yonder. But it was like literally Mm -hmm. one of my favorite things. There were people trading them. um, Devs were wearing them. Spokespeople were wearing them. It just, the, you can clearly tell that everybody wanted to be in person again. And being able to, like, I I don't know, like you could, you could see that they were just like, dang, this feels good. Uh, So I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, the industry starts to learn from that a little bit more and tries to fan service that a little bit more. Uh, I guess in comparison to to TwitchCon too, like you could see that the streamers being there in person and the fans being there in person allows that opportunity to connect. So for a brand to do that as a whole, like for Blizzard to do that as a whole and as the space for for them, it just makes it that much more special and that much more exciting to be there. Yeah. These shows are for the community. It's not for... It doesn't have to be for press purposes like other kind of conventions like Gamescom and stuff is. Um, mm-hmm. This is very community focused. It's good for like people, people who like maybe they've made friends with online and have never met in person. And it's like this: these are the people that they raid with or like they play Overwatch with and they've met in a Discord server or something like that. And they've just never like met in person. This is BlizzCon is for them it's for them to get together and it's for the cosplayers to show off um oh, there was a great cosplayer they were like world of warcraft paladins and they had the flag and it said make clippy a pet and they had like <laughs> they were carrying clippy around it's just like it's moments like that where you see them and you're like that's really funny really clever but also your cosplay outfit looks amazing like mm-hmm. it's just that's that's what those are for and yes we like we had press also there and we did interviews and all that stuff. But like that, that is not the only or main purpose of this show. This, mm-hmm. this show is for the community first, the people who are playing Blizzard games. 
Um, and yeah, so I think there's a lot people can learn from that. If you've got strong communities, like those communities want to get, get together and have fun. We're a bunch of gamers. We, we (laughs) like to have fun. You should have fun in person as well. Some people like to do that. Not everyone does. And that's fine. And they showed everything. You could get a virtual ticket, like watch things online. If that's, that's your jam versus in person. Um, but yeah, it's, it's fun. You both make a good point about like, you know, it's cool to see Blizzard being post pandemic um, near the forefront of bringing back these fan specific conventions, like rest in peace, my beloved PlayStation experience, um, which happened like two to three years in the mid 2010s. And I wish PlayStation would bring back Nintendo was doing something kind of similar, like in conjunction with PAX uh, West, as we talked about with Joseph Bradford a couple episodes ago uh, with the Nintendo Live um, and who knows, I, I hope other companies follow in, in Blizzard's suit with, you know, having BlizzCon back in person and, and making it an annual thing. Uh, with uh, what you said at the beginning, of course, like, of course, there's lots of planning to do between now and then. I'm sure um, the debriefings are, are still continuing from it. But like any learnings that you feel are valuable to share from BlizzCon with with other folks, like potentially talking about events and things you want to take into the planning for next year's BlizzCon? Oh, yeah. Big question, <laughs> yeah <I laughs> that is, we're still in our like debriefing phase um, on like learnings and stuff like that. I, I, that's like a, that's a very large question. Cause it's like, what's going to be helpful, I guess, I guess on the PR side. Um, I will say one of the big things for, consideration is what is the news what are you putting to the forefront of both press and players and what's going to grab them first it's really like yes we have all these activities but what is going to be the thing that drives coverage what is going to be the thing that gets people hyped for whatever is next i mean for me like seeing warcraft in person i'm like yeah get me on the warcraft board like i i i want it and of course, it gets me more hyped for the new Overwatch character, for um, the new Diablo expansion. So you have something that's coming and you want to emphasize that as much as possible. So being able to like, I don't know, think news first on the PR perspective is definitely like top of mind. The first thing that that I would 100% figure out. Yeah, it's it's kind of just like a figuring out like what's going to make people excited and it what is the best way to show that excitement, not only to like community, but also to press because like we may think like, Oh, this is going to be exciting for people. Um, but so we like, I don't know, just kind of maybe state something plainly, but it's like, Oh no, how do we, but how do we show it? Especially to maybe press who are not familiar with an overwatch character, like not familiar with Chris Metzen, like, why should they care and how is the best way to show that? So I think there are some learnings there that everyone could always like take away from. And it's like, Oh, like this is how people have responded to this. Like, Oh, I didn't expect people to be that excited over X, Y, and Z. I know I'm being very vague cause it's <laughs> trying not to like single anything out. Um, yeah, that's, that's a very hard question. Cause I like in my brain, I have not, I'm still in my, debriefing phase of Wisconsin, even though mm-hmm. it's been a, a week. But 
yeah, yeah. I think no that's, and that's more than fair i was just curious what the kind of first thoughts were and and what mel said about the the news and, and especially like you said killing the positioning of said news is is interesting because it's the hard balance of this digital age we're in is like the events not only have to be successful well you know you want them to be most successful for the people in attendance um, and make sure they had a good time. But it's also because it's being viewed from the outside world, tuning into the opening ceremony and the coverage coming from it, um, that you have to balance both perspectives. It's not just about pleasing the attendees, but also like proving to other people why they should come next year. And um, so thinking about the like the big news that come out of it, and you know, when people think of BlizzCon, they think of wow, th- you know, three new. WoW expansions and new Overwatch heroes. Like, that's very enticing um, for any fans who decided to, like, sit on the sidelines and not go. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, I don't, Mel, any closing thoughts on BlizzCon? I'm, I feel like we've kind of covered I think, I think we've, yeah, things. hit a lot of it. I will say, I just can't wait to go back. Um, it's an experience that I loved both as a fan of Blizzard, but also as somebody who works with them. Like it is so fun to be able to hang out with your client in person all together like that. And uh, I think that can be said across the board. Like we all, I had just a good, a good time being together like that, both for, for us as client reps, but also just like guys celebrate like this was a big year and we got to celebrate all together at BlizzCon and I I just I can't wait to do it again. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good um <clears throat> that's a good point for like any of the PR people who are listening or like people who maybe you work with a PR agency. It's I can't like downplay how important it is to like meet face to face. Um or just like every once in a while. It doesn't have to just be once, but like I don't know. That in person interaction is something that you cannot replicate over a zoom call. Um, I don't know, just a lot of really important conversations come out of in-person like get togethers. So it doesn't, you don't have to have a BlizzCon level event. You could just like have a PR team come to your office and you guys like, I know we, we do this with some of our clients, like planning for like a game campaign or it's at the end of the year and it's like, okay, like let's talk about this past year. And now like, just a little recap of everything that happened, whatever our learnings, and then like how can we plan for next year is just something that I don't know. One, it's more fun. You I feel like you get the creative juices going and flowing like more than you do over a Zoom call. You you have a little lunch, you have some fun, you get to know <laughs> each other. It, people become less scary. Um, not that like your PR team should be scaring you and vice versa, but you know, like, it's just, I don't know. There's, there's something about being in person that, um, it's, you just can't replicate and it's, it's hard to put into words of like the value there, but it, it is there. And so, yeah, yeah I'm with Mal. Like, it's just, I love seeing our clients. I love seeing our Blizzard clients. They're always so much fun. Um, and we work together well. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. Good final point there. Like, we really do. Good, it, good final point. Ugh. Um, Yeah, got to force ourselves to talk about BlizzCon. Oh, did you, do you have well, a I was gonna, segue? <laughs> I was, do we want to talk about the other big trailer um, dominating the news yes. right now in gaming? Um, Yes. Speaking of, like, one of the biggest trailers that will ever grace our screens, <laughs> 
um, that we'll ever watch in the history. This may be the last GTA trailer I ever see because who knows when oh, the next gosh. one will come. It may be that's dark. Maybe two decades right, from now. <laughs> but yeah, I already spoiled it, even though it's probably in the title and description. And, and I said it earlier, but we are talking <laughs> about the GTA Six trailer that an announcement tweet i'm calling it tweet went out last week the week before last week last week sam is not even said yes um where rockstar said they would be releasing the trailer in the beginning of december it has been long anticipated gta 5 came out over a decade ago and basically probably before gta 5 even came out people were talking about gta 6 um nothing new that's how that's how we are as gamers can never just appreciate something in the moment. Um, but yeah, for GTA five being one of the most like profitable, most sold games ever, I think it's the second highest um, most sold game second to Minecraft. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Thing. Yeah. I was like, am I, I didn't look that up. So I'm pretty sure that's correct. Um, yeah. This is, it's just a, long time coming um i know rockstar at one point said that they were working on the game i can't remember when but um yeah so it was with following that, the a few years last fall yeah um, was it was that when they finally it, it, confirmed it kind of forced their hand that they were like we're working on the next grand theft auto we'll show it when it's okay. ready because mm-hmm. they all right that makes sense because a couple years before that um, again, I froze. I'm going to say that. A couple years before that um, was when the Kotaku report came out that Rockstar was making efforts to alleviate um, crunch culture at the studio. And so I think a lot of people were like, oh, they're talking about GTA. Like, it's going to be a while for GTA 6 to come out. And then the in-development, yeah, the leak of in-development footage came out last year. That was like in-development footage from years prior to. So like, that wasn't even the state of the game last year. We we didn't know what the state of the game was. Um, but yeah, so this this trailer is going to be big. Um, most people are expected to come out between April 2024 and March 2025. That's when Take-Two Interactive projected massive financial gains. That's the only reason to explain that is a massive game launch. Um, I'm getting all this information from IGN's article, by the way, um, from... Ryan Dinsdale. Thank you, Ryan. Um, so, yeah. Well, what do you guys think? Are you excited? Do you not care? Did you play GTA 5? Like, all the all the questions. I mean, Sam, okay, of, course I'm, of course I'm excited. Like, I, I've actually never um, beaten GTA 5, but I've played countless hours in it. Um, I remember... Uh, uh, gosh like and thankfully everybody is partaking in this trend of like how old everyone feels thinking about the last gta game that came out um because it was a, a decade ago it was september 2013 and of course it the the rollout was a year longer than that so like i remember being in my high school what do they even call it um, it, it was, it was, I'm going to call it computer class. <laughs> like it was, you know, a freshman <laughs> elective where you have to learn Microsoft word and Microsoft Excel. And yeah, for, for many of us, like it was a pretty easy class. So I remember in the meantime, we would spend it watching trailers for GTA five, eagerly awaiting it's, you know, from when that school year started till September. And then long after that, still watching like let's plays and stuff in that class. So 
Um, I'm excited for that hype cycle to reignite. Uh, I'm curious how it will change between then and now. Like, um, will they do a, a very you know, long scale rollout. Uh, are we going to get a, just a super short teaser with like a launch window? I have no idea because rockstar, like you said, has, has changed some of their, um, not just development practices, but you know, culture since GTA five came out, not to mention the ways American culture has changed that the <laughs> franchise has always been known as kind of like a satire, uh, of, of this country and that has not become any easier since 2013 that's for damn sure <laughs> yeah i that's a good point i didn't even think about that when i was trying to think of like what i thought the game would be honestly i can't, couldn't even come up with like anything other than the bonnie and clyde storyline that i think i think people kind of already know is what's going to be happening from some of the leaked things um so I don't know. I'm really excited for that. I'm excited for like a female protagonist, um, especially G Rockstar GTA. It's kind of been iffy on their depiction of women in the past. Um, but a lot of that depiction also kind of makes sense with the setting and the way it's talking about American culture and stuff like that. So I don't know. I think they kind of toe that line of you're like, is that how they feel? Or are they just depicting it the way that a lot of society views women? So it would be nice to have the female point of view in a protagonist, um, even if she's awful, which I'd be <laughs> great. Give me, give me that awful, awful woman. I want to play her and love her. Yeah. I will say but, something that like, I always forget about rock or uh, about GTA is the fact that it does have a main story to it. Um, just because it's been so many years that people just play it as if it's just, you know, like you get to go around the city, get to mess around, do all these like little side missions. And there's different ways for you to keep building your world and your experience in GTA. But I literally always forget that there is a main story because it's been so long. So to say that I'm excited is an understatement. Um, I have like very, very, very vivid memories of where I was playing um gta 5 whether it was with like my childhood best friends or even you know it, it literally in this room just in a different way um <laughs> uh, it just it is it is crazy to think about the last time i played grand theft auto to the next time i'm gonna play it's two different humans of me like two yeah. different versions of myself are gonna be playing this game so uh i am i'm pumped i'm really curious to see caitlin to your point what they do with the main story like i i don't know what to expect i really don't this is going to be one of those games where you are going to have to have a recap of gta 5 and everything you could have possibly learned over the last 10 years and then you can get into gta 6 <laughs> i don't know if they'll actually Maybe I maybe they'll tie the stories together, but I'm not sure if historically they will. I don't they feel like it'll yeah yeah, yeah I, I don't think it'll be to the point where anyone will need to go back and play GTA five campaign. Um surprisingly, I like feel like I still have like a strong memory of it, but that's also because I played the campaign a few times. Um mostly because whenever I was in the mood for GTA, I just would go play the campaign. I never was like I didn't really enjoy GTA online. Um, and maybe that's just cause like, I didn't have like a group of people to like 
go in and play with. So like playing by yourself, you're just like annihilated constantly. And I'm like, ah, this is not for me. So, but that's, that's just me. I mean, GTA online has been massively profitable. I think in the summer, take two um, put out a release that said like GTA has made them $7.7 billion in its lifetime, which is disgusting. Um, (laughs) But it, impressive uh so yeah i don't know i think like this gt6 trailer is gonna break the internet as of like four days ago i had the numbers up um the tweet had 1.4 million likes in the instagram post had two 2.6 million likes that's for just for just an announcement that a trailer is coming that's crazy yeah and, and my read is like, because, you know, the night before, so this broke a week before you're listening to this episode. It was it was last Wednesday. Um, and the night before, um, there were reports from Video Games Chronicle and uh, Bloomberg um, that a trailer was incoming. And there was, there was speculation that um, it forced Rockstar's hand to, like, yeah. announce that a trailer was coming, which, given all of the sign-offs that had to happen in order to... Uh, make that announcement so i i think that these reports had just caught wind of the announcement coming the next day um anyway though i i oh, think really? they announced that yeah just like with the hauser brothers signing off on it and the take two um financial hurdles that would have you know been at play here my guess is um that you know that it was clear that this announcement of a trailer was incoming and then so these reports were ahead of that yeah but we also know like jason schreier he probably like has a good relationship with the people at rockstar and probably would have told him like hey i heard this like this is going out on this date um do you want to work on a story like something like that which would have given them a little bit more time than just like the day before and to be able to get those approvals cuz I don't know. To me, it kind of felt like the Bloomberg story forced their hand in a writing announcement post because why would you why would you announce the trailer? Like imagine that dropping at the game awards and yeah, just the I don't know. I I do also see the strategy behind announcing just like the beginning of December which is going to lead a lot of people to now watch the game awards that maybe weren't going to watch it before. Maybe I'm convincing myself the other way around now, <laughs> but no, I'm, I, I don't know. I still, am, I think I'm standing by the fact that I think they were going to shadow drop the trailer because I don't think Rockstar needs to build anticipation and hype for something as big as GTA six. I think it's going to make a huge impact if they just like finally put it out there. Um, and I do think it's going to happen at the game awards. I don't think they're going to say yes or no, maybe for content contractual reasons jeff probably doesn't want everyone to know what's happening at the show um fair enough so saying early december is the way to kind of get around that and everyone knows like early december you have a big trailer yeah you're gonna be (laughs) so that was my follow-up question do you think it is the game awards yeah yeah i'm I'm in the same camp I, uh, yeah, I it just doesn't that... make any sense to not do that if you're going to announce in early December and you're exactly. Rockstar. 
Yeah, my my only thought was to build anticipation, Caitlin, to your point. Like I could totally see them wanting to do like two big beats around the announcement itself. But yeah, they're they're so big that like literally just dropping the trailer would have done it. It was going to get all of the coverage anyway, but now you have a second cycle where people are able to to sit there and wait and wait and wait and wait and mm-hmm. anticipate it and get excited. Um but you know, I feel like that could partially come to not their benefit because like what if it's not what people want? And now you've built it up for 3 weeks. Right, four weeks well, going up into early December. Like, of course, it's going to be you know, it's the next GTA. Like, of course, everybody's going to want it. But do I, I don't know. The tweet. I I do think because because they didn't put out a teaser trailer for like their announcement. Like now, I think December is going to be a teaser trailer, unless they have said otherwise. I'm trying to bring up the exact copy of. I have it ready. Said. If you want me to read it, yeah. Could I mean, you? Uh, next month marks the 25th anniversary of Rockstar Games. Thanks to the incredible support of our players worldwide, we've had the opportunity to create games we are truly passionate about. Without you, none of this would be possible, and we are so grateful to all of you for sharing this journey with us. In 1998, Rockstar Games was founded on the idea that video games could come to be as essential to culture as any other form of entertainment, and we hope that we've created games you love in our efforts to be part of that uh, evolution. We are very excited to let you know that in early December, we will release the first trailer for the next Grand Theft Auto. Uh, This is Sam editorializing here. Cute and interesting. They're, you know, the next Grand Theft Auto. They don't say the first trailer for Grand Theft Auto 6. Um, Anyway, Mm -hmm. back to the letter. Uh, We look forward to many more years of sharing these experiences with all of you. Thank you, Sam Hauser. Yeah, I that's a good that's a good point that they don't say GTA 6. Yeah, I would prefer if they don't call it GTA 6. And they just, it's like Grand Theft Auto and it has like a new name and it's like whatever what yeah. city it's in or something like that. Cause I'm not a huge fan of like the number system. Cause then you <laughs> just keep getting up there and it's like, it just doesn't sound right. Grand Theft there Auto 24. <laughs> <laughs> there are some cute fan theories. Um, a, that we're returning to Vice City, um, partly because of the leak. And so it might be called like Grand Theft Auto Vice. What are the first two le- letters? V I, a, you know, six. Kind of the, like the cuteness oh, that Resident wow. Evil has Big gotten brain. into. Um, Big brain. With, like, Resident Evil 7 and 8. Uh, so I don't know. It's interesting. And it's fair because, like, to that point, you know, Mel just said earlier, like, oh, well, you have to have like a lore explainer to understand GTA 6. Like, um, I, I don't think that will be the case, but slapping a big six on there certainly um makes people think or some people think that way so it'll be interesting part of me thinks again a- another reason that why they they pre-announced the trailers that um <laughs> there's going to be domains being registered um you know assets floating around like i i think they news might break that a trailer is coming so uh which it did um but if they weren't to have said something now it definitely would have between now and then so uh, just because, like you said, like everybody will have their eyes on this thing. Uh, the appetite is uh, the sharks are hungry and blood <laughs> is in the water. Um, it'll be interesting if it shows up at the Game Awards. I, I don't I think I will take a bit of a like, I'm not so sure it will because the the Game Awards could benefit from the Grand Theft Auto trailer more than the Grand Theft Auto trailer could benefit. The, like, they can drop that thing literally the day of outside of the Game Awards, and it will yeah. get just as many views. Um, now, do yeah. I think there could be some collaboration there? Like, a voice actor, like, 
you know, or like an extended cut of the trailer. I don't know. I just, I don't think it is a done deal that this thing is at the Game Awards. Although, like you said, early December certainly makes you think that way. Mm-hmm. I honestly think it's going to be a teaser trailer. I don't think it's going to be a huge in-depth. I don't know if there'll be like a voice acting, maybe a little bit. Um, it doesn't make sense to not do the teaser trailer just for a game like as massive as GTA. I guess we'll just keep saying GTA 6. Um, I'm trying to think of like, maybe they're going to do the Starfield approach where like, we don't actually get a lot of information about the game until the game comes out. GTA is such a strong legacy and Rockstar does as a, as a brand that I don't think they need to like overshow what GTA six is going to be. However, I do think it has been so long since GTA five has come out that there's a whole like younger audience. I know they're not trying Mm -hmm. to go too young, like older teens that probably did not play GTA five because they were way too young. And they may be watching the Game Awards. And so that would be reason to have it at a big show because it has it has been over a decade since GTA 5 came out. So to not do that, they are missing opportunities to kind of hit that younger audience or like mm-hmm. people who have not played a GTA game. I don't know. But I also agree with you that like they don't need to. They could just drop it and they're going to get millions and millions and millions of views. But... It would be cool if rocks kind of just were for Rockstar's brand's sake that they're at the Game Awards because yeah. they have been quiet for so long that a lot of people probably do not actually know who Rockstar is. And to have like a spokesperson come out on the on the stage to talk about what Rockstar has been doing for the past decade, how like maybe even mention a little bit of like the the um not cramp <laughs> crunch culture <laughs> sorry i was thinking cramps no, um, not, not enough bananas and not enough potassium in their diet <laughs> cramp culture cramp culture um <laughs> i i just yeah i'm thinking of all this on the spot but i think it would be more beneficial for rockstar's brand versus yeah. like gta to have them at the game awards so to me it makes sense for them to be there to show just a teaser trailer that's going to get people so excited. You want people to speculate anyways. So like only show just enough to like tease a lot of things and get people talking rather than show like a full trailer. And then we know what the game's going to be. Yeah. That's a, that's a really good point. I, to, to the points that I was making earlier with like blizzard games, right? Blizzard is an industry veteran. Rockstar is an industry veteran. But we have just seen so much from how Blizzard is reconnecting with their like old um, and new players that I think Rockstar can really learn from how they're doing that and and reestablish themselves. Because yes, there is the status of being an industry veteran and being known uh, for a game that has years and years of backing to it. But there's also that like, who are we now? Uh, story that they have the potential to tell, and I'm really excited to see you know, what they do there. Like I, I don't, I couldn't tell you who the names behind uh, GTA are. And that's partially due to just like a lack of knowledge of GTA since I was a kid and now being, you know, in the industry, like you have to reestablish those names. So I wouldn't be surprised if they use the Game Awards as the avenue to do that. Yeah, I think regardless of when it happens, I completely agree with Caitlin that this is just a teaser. I was doing some research into how GTA 5 was announced and how 
Rockstar's last game, Red Dead Redemption 2, um, was revealed. Both just like a minute-long trailer, um, mostly just establishing what the setting is. Maybe you get some sort of hint at like, you know, Red Red Dead Redemption 2's reveal trailer ended with like a band of eight characters riding off into the sunset on horseback, implying like, okay, it's a it's a band of outlaws style game. Um, similar with like Grand Theft Auto was like very like just scene setting for Los Santos. And then, you know, and I think it's gonna be very much the same thing here. Like a minute long, we're gonna see, I assume, based on the rumors, Vice City. And then next year's all gonna be about answering like what's the story, you know, a very long tail peeling of the onion as we like to say in-house here like uh what's the story who are the characters and one of the biggest questions they're gonna have to answer that i don't think they will touch anywhere uh soon is like what does this mean for gta online is it um like does your progress cross over is it like fusing with the world of los santos from gta 5's online i don't know but anyway all these in the weed stuff i i like caitlin said i don't think that will be uh that's not the objective of this uh, of this teaser. Again, I just can't do. I don't know how to weave into our next beats. <laughs> like hmm, well, speed <laughs> of another announcement. It's just so boring, guys. Um, I think we've I think we've exhausted our GTA talk until I mean after the Game Awards or after December. It may not be at the Game Awards. We will of course come back to this discussion and probably have lots of thoughts. And I'm really excited for it. And I am really excited for um, GTA as a game. Oh, my internet is being really weird. But yes, I am excited for it. I can't wait. Um, it's been a long time since I've played a Rockstar game. Oh, I guess Red Dead Redemption 2, which I loved. And for some reason, that just like escaped my brain. I was like, it's been over 10 years since I played a Rockstar game. No, that's not true. But, but even then, it's forgot. been five years since Red Dead. Like, it's yeah. it's time. I'm excited. It's it is time, um, but yeah, our our last piece of news, something I know we're all very excited about, the Zelda movie live action was finally announced. Um, I will give a brief the movie brief description of it. Yep, the movie will be directed by Wes Ball. He's uh, best known for the Maze Runner trilogy and the upcoming Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Uh, Miyamoto will be serving as a producer. He also served as a producer on the animated Super Mario Bros. movie, and he will be producing alongside um, uh, Avi Arad. I may be saying his name wrong, guys, and I'm so sorry. No, I think you have um, it right. Okay. He's he's produced a lot of Spider-Man movies, he's like the Into the Spider-Verse, Across the Spider-Verse, um, Spider-Man 3, Venom, Morbius. Which, if it's a Sony has. Pictures Marvel movie, Avi Rod has probably <laughs> had his hands on it. Yes, yes. Um, but yeah, I. What do you guys think of the live action movie? How, how do you feel about it? Like Wes Ball and Miyamoto, and just yeah. Let me know your initial thoughts. Man, my I initial mean, thought. Yeah, I was gonna say my initial thought is, oh my god. Like, I feel like it has been a long time coming, but I'm also terrified because I have no idea how this is going to look. Like, I am just the thought of it being a live action gives me like the Hobbit vibes with how it could look. But I I don't know. It just seems like such a, a, 
a vast world with so much lore behind it where it's like, where do you even start? And that I think is like the most intimidating thing to me. Um, I have I have no idea where they're going to start. I have no idea what it's going to look like. And I am terrified because I want them to do well. I know. But what if what if it ends up being the Lord of the Rings? I understand the Hobbit concern, but like it has the potential. It does. And I yeah. will be really, really upset if it doesn't. And I know with the way Hollywood has been lately, it's things don't always look like it's going to go back in that direction of like practical effects and like truly caring about and understanding the lore and putting it in someone's hands who like cares about it and giving them creative like leeway and not everything decided by committees. But <clears throat> I don't know. I like West Ball. I I enjoyed the Super Mario Bros. movie. I know we also worked on that. So like I got to put that disclaimer out there. Um, but I had a lot of fun with it. I, I think Nintendo is like, I think they're really enjoying the process of create creating movies for their IPs. Um, and I don't know, it just kind of feels like it's rejuvenating a lot of their worlds and IPs. Like, I don't know, maybe this will get more people to want Zelda Twilight Princess. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I had to throw it in there this somewhere. For years. I was, I was <sighs> like, how? I should have had a timer. Like, how long in this topic <laughs> till we get a Twilight Princess mentioned? Someone, someone should time it because I thought about it as soon as we moved to this, and I was like, where can I throw this in? I just threw it in in a weird spot, but I don't know. I'm. Oh, there, I it am is. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Sorry, listeners, for, we're seeing a trailer for Twilight Princess. Damn, this would look so good. Uh, uh, like, you know, <laughs> in live action. A uh, live action Twilight Princess? Ah, <laughs> oh, Midna would be amazing. So, I, I, the, I mean, the furries would go nuts. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Oh my gosh. The fan art for, I mean, it's funny. Okay, walk with me here. Wes Ball, director of the Maze Runner trilogy, star of the Maze Runner trilogy, Dylan O'Brien, star of MTV's Teen Wolf. Stop. <laughs> Caitlin and I were just talking about Dylan O'Brien, like literally uh, last week. I would go crazy if that link. all no. like intertwined. <laughs> I I would actually lose my mind. I would lose it. I would hey, lose it. I, yeah, I, that's really funny that you talked about that because – I was playing music and Mel could see my like Spotify. She's over here and she's like, does that say steric? And I was like, look away, look away at my weird fan, fan ship playlist that I have fallen into a teen wolf phase and I have never Wait, even is, watched. Is steric music from the show? No, steric is a ship. <laughs> it is a oh. ship that has. It is styles We've been and Derek. I am so sorry, listeners. <laughs> I mean, it is the podcast about everything when it's Look, not about you know video what? games, right? I, and you know what? I enjoy, if people want to laugh at my embarrassment and pain and weirdness, go for it. I'm not embarrassed <laughs> at all. It's fine. But yeah, no, uh, Dylan O'Brien's amazing. That would be really cool. Because uh, Link in Twilight Princess always appears a little bit older, too, than he does in other depictions. Yeah. So you know what? It, like that could work. And we've seen Dylan O'Brien with blonde hair. It works. <laughs> I mean, it was like bleached, but 
with just the I, right I mean, amount of toner. Initial, yeah, just the right amount of toner. My initial reaction, like, it's kind of the, it's funny going from the GTA 6 news to this. Um, it, both things felt like April Fool's jokes. I mean, IGN <laughs> at this point, probably over a decade ago, did a live action Zelda movie trailer on April Fourth, and I at the at the time I I I think I might have been in middle school. I fell for it um, for at least a little <laughs> while, and so logging onto IGN over a decade later and seeing this news felt surreal. It didn't feel real. Um, I I think with Miyamoto, you know, producing and being hands on on this, I think if you look at the Super Mario Brothers movie as an example, shows at the very least that this movie is going to be it's not going to disappoint fans whereas a lot of times we've got some really just demented video game adaptations that felt like they didn't really play the source material or had a whole lot of love for them i think regardless of um you know what the casting or or narrative of this movie might be i think visually musically um and even just like aesthetically it will feel loyal to the legend of zelda franchise and that alone mm-hmm will make me and a lot of people happy. Will it be maybe one of the great live action blockbusters? I'm not so <laughs> sure. Um, but, you know, sure, West Ball is not an auteur. I, I don't think an auteur is the right, you know, director for a movie like this when you're going to be working so yeah. closely with Nintendo. But he has proven that he is, I mean, he's a, a of all the workmen-like directors, he's pretty consistent. I think the Mage Runner movies are, are very fun adaptations of that trilogy that yeah. I liked a lot as a middle schooler. And the new Apes movie, which, frankly, I didn't really want, um, felt very much like a <laughs> Disney, let's, you know, revive this franchise very shortly after Matt Reeves finished. That trailer looks pretty good. Yeah, I was going to say, I, that is one of those series, though, that, like, I love the Planet of the Apes series, and... When it was announced, I also felt the same. I was like, oh, is it going to like touch the Matt Reeves? And yeah, I I am interested in that movie after seeing the trailer. I like West Ball. I really love the Maze Runner movies as well. Like, I think they're just, they're well done. They look good, which is something that like, I really am hopeful for the Zelda movie. Like, I don't, I hope it's not like all CGI. Um, and I don't know. I'm just... I'm trying not to get my expectations too high, but I like the people that are attached to it right now. Um, And we'll see who the casting will be. I'm really looking forward to that. I have lots of thoughts, um, but I will let, should I go first? I was going to say, no, now I got to hear it. Who's on your your hot, your, your top list. I, I got some, I got some thoughts. Um, one, since we're talking about West Ball, I don't think she would have been my first pick. She wasn't, but I wouldn't be surprised if she gets casted as Zelda is Freya Allen, who she's she's like a 22-year-old actress. Um, she's in Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, mm. which is West Ball's new picture. She's like the main character. She was in The Witcher. She was in Gunpowder Milkshake. Um, she she looks like Zelda, like I I, I haven't seen anything mm-hmm. where I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. she's like the greatest actress alive, but like she has the potential. She's young. I yeah. I feel like the people that are for a Legend of Zelda movie, for this movie particular, I would appreciate if it's not some of the more well-known actors and go with someone a little bit younger. 
because then yeah. you might have sequels and you may want to continue to use them. And it would be great if like they could age with their characters. So Freya Allen is one that I'm kind of leaning towards just to, I wouldn't be surprised because she's worked with West Ball. Um, my number one pick though is Hunter Schaefer. Yeah. Um, I just, I love her from euphoria. I know she was also just on the red carpet or on some carpet and saying that she would love to play princess mm-hmm. Zelda. Um, she, she's playing Tigress, which I'm really looking forward to. Cause I loved that character in the book. Um, and I, from euphoria, like she is a powerhouse. She can act. I would love to see her as princess Zelda. So those are my two, like hunters. Number one, Freya's number two for Zelda. Um, for link. I did. I did kind <laughs> of struggle with this. Only because I kind of want it to be an, someone we don't know. Mm. Um, but uh, this one, I, I'm kind of second-guessing my thoughts here. But he did come to mind. I just think he has a little bit more masculine features. But Tanner Buchanan from Cobra Kai. He was Robbie. Mm. I'm not sure if you guys watched mm. that show. Again, younger. Like, I, I see a lot of potential in him and how he was in Cobra Kai. Like, I feel like he doesn't need to talk a lot he could he shows a lot of emotion with his face um i could see him chameleoning his way into <laughs> link um so <laughs> he he's just i don't know he was a name that kind of like came to mind when i was thinking of it um oh and there was somebody else that i can't find i thought i had pulled up tabs for everybody um I'll come back to it if I think of it. But then for Ganondorf, this one, I also like, uh, I kept going around a bunch of different people and I was thinking, I was like, maybe Javier Bardem, which I'm not opposed. But then I settled Ooh. on what I really want is an uh, Idris Elba. Yeah. He was the first like, name I, as, I wrote down. Yeah. Okay, cool. Same. Cause I was like, as soon, as soon I was like going through actors with like such a, uh, that voice in like a, like domineering like presence and kind of like they can be scary but also kind of like um a little sexy (laughs) well that was not the word i was gonna use but sure we could go with sexy and i the idris elba came to mind i was like yeah Yeah. that's like a no-brainer in my head that it has to be him if it's anybody else i'm gonna be upset now because i like i want (laughs) idris elba as ganondorf i don't want anybody else um so yeah, those those are my thoughts. I'll try and think of who I who else I had for Link that I'm trying to blank on. But Sam, so you had Idris Idris number one for Ganondorf. Who else do you have? So yeah, so Ganondorf and Zelda. We my number ones were both Idris and Hunter Schaefer. A couple other yeah. Ganondorf ideas. Um, I don't know why I'm pulling so many Euphoria cast members, but Coleman Domingo, um, mm. who plays Rue's kind of um, mentor figure. Um, he's just got a really good voice and mm-hmm. he also can be threatening. Uh, he was in, um, uh, what was the, the Twitter thread movie from a 24 Zola Zola. He's really scary in that. Um, and he's, he, would, he was I, in the, the remake of Candyman. Yes. He's, mm-hmm. I think he, I mean, he's on a bit of a run. He's going to be in the color purple and rust in this fall. Um, I could yeah. see, I like your idea, Caitlin, about casting unknowns as Link and maybe even Zelda and then kind of do like the superhero playbook where you cast, I mean, Coleman, not a, as huge of a name as like Idris Elba, um, but like getting slightly bigger name for the villain role. 
Um, and then on that note, maybe like the on, on a similar scale of uh, Idris Elba, I think Dave Bautista would be great as Ganondor. <laughs> <laughs> He's got the build. He's got the build. That's for sure. He does. Also, I remember who else I was thinking of. Have you guys watched Heartstopper? Yes. On Netflix, that would I yes. know who you're thinking. Yeah. What's that actor's name? I I don't think you are. I'm thinking of actually William Gao, who plays oh. Tao. So not the two main leads, main leads. Um, I was thinking William, and a lot of that has to do with like his acting, but also he has just like the facial features and like of who I would think of as a link. Um, but I mean, also the two leads from Heartstopper are also like they're all young and up and coming. Joe Locke, Kit Connor. Um, I also really like them too, but mm-hmm. William stood out to me when I watched Heartstopper. So he's he's on my list as well as uh, Tanner Buchanan. Yeah. Um, a- another name I had for Zelda, thinking of just like t- taller actresses who have a bit of like a commanding and, and regal aura to them. Uh, I mean, like again, looking at uh, Euphoria, I think Zendaya would be a great Zelda. <laughs> Not to overcast her and everything these days. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I saw that and I, I mean, I did think of her, but I guess she's only 27. I don't know. For some reason, like, she does have a younger face. I guess, I don't know. For some reason, she just seems like, I really want a young 20s. I don't, I don't know what it is. I just feel like Zelda and Link are part of their story and their charm is in most of the iterations, they are very young and like Zelda's thrust into this position at such a young age before she should like be able to, to me, like I know Zendaya is like with euphoria. She's been playing like a high schooler for way too long. Um, (laughs) But like with some of her Reese. Yes. Yeah. Whatever. (laughs) I said that sarcastically. (laughs) I know. I know. I know. Um, But, like, with um, some of her recent works with, like, Malcolm and Marie, uh, I'm trying to think of what else. Maybe it's Even just like that that I'm thinking of. the upcoming I Challengers like she, plays a bit. Like yes. She can play both young and old. It's funny because that, that movie apparently has, like, a 10-year time jump. And, uh, like, it's interesting to her playing both decades. I feel like, I, I guess I'm just thinking of, like, if I was, like, a casting director or her like manager, like I would be putting her in more adult Everywhere. roles. Yeah. Like even with like Spider-Man, she's just been playing a, a high schooler for so long. That's like fair. let this girl age. Um, I think, yeah, years ago, like sh- I do think she could be a great princess Zelda. I just, to me, doesn't feel like that's a role that she would take right now. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll shoot my link casting off. Um, top Tom Holland. I'm just kidding. No, no, uh, no I'm just kidding. Like, okay, these are a bit more creative. Forgive me for saying Zendaya. For I also I know, I no, think, no, 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 no. You're totally fine. I also think this she's a so bit funny. like last. Last but not least, she's a bit uh, probably too old. But I just finished Sex Education, and I think Emma Mackey could be a good older Zelda. Oh, yeah, she plays uh, so May, good. May, yes. May? um on sex education she's great she's great in barbie i think she's gonna have a great career ahead of her um yeah link that's a good one um if we're doing like hypothetically we're doing ocarina of time where you got like boy link and then slightly older link um i don't know if anybody saw um 
Armageddon time. It was James Gray's movie last year. It had Jeremy Strong and Anne Hathaway in it. Uh, the lead of that is like he's named Paul Graff. He he is kind of like a and I say this lovingly, like an impish kind of boy. Um, <laughs> looks a little mischievous. Like I think he would look good in the tunic. And then aged up, you do the time jump about halfway through Ocarina of Time. Um, you either get my boy Sammy Fableman from the Fablemans last year, uh, Gabriel Labelle, um, who again has some of those like more boyish features, but still is old enough. Um, or uh, looking at another Steven Spielberg joint, uh, Mike Feist, uh, who played the best friend uh, in West Side Story, I think could also um, do a good link. Mike I don't know if these Feist? are too deep of cuts. Yeah, uh, F A I S T. Is he old? Yeah, okay. He's in his 30s. But he looks young. Okay, okay. It's like the to- the uh Brody Salinger. Um What what's his first name? Is it Thomas? Thomas Brody Salinger? The kid from Love Actually, he's also in the Maze Runner. Oh, how old is he? He looks <laughs> Oh, he's like He's old, but per- he looks like a child per- still. Perpetually yeah. young. <laughs> I say he's. I say he's old. He's literally like a few years older. He's thirty three, but he yeah. like looks very young. Um, yeah, Mike Feist is. That's fair. Mike Feist is thirty one. <laughs> yeah, but I. Oh, you are throwing names at me that I I would not have thought of. I yeah. I, do I like have not thought of Banks, Banks Repeta from um, which one did you, Armageddon time? He was also yeah. in the Black Phone, The Devil All the Time, which. The movie's the movie's actually pretty good on Netflix. Um, he looks like a young Jeremy Allen White. Oh my gosh! Now, now we're talking. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Jeremy Allen like, White, w- w- way too old. <laughs> but uh, yeah. no, I think uh, I I think if we went the really young Link route, that would be good casting. Yeah, I I like that one a lot. Didn't I hadn't thought about him, but that's a good one. See, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw All right, a Mel, yeah, let's hear with- yours with mine i think some of the kids from stranger things would do really well mm. in an adaptation like i don't know about millie bobby brown as uh princess zelda I, that just doesn't feel right but i could see some of the the guys doing really well um mike's character kind of gives me that that same youthful energy but could also like if he can nail it and like hammer it home, I think could do really well. Um, but I, I don't know. I think that the Stranger Things cast is really strong and they've built themselves up and we've seen them grow. So like Caitlin, to your point, yeah, they're a little bit on like the older side from where they started. But if we were to cast them, they could grow really well into potential they're still sequels. They're still really young. Yeah. Like well, yeah. Noah, Noah Schnapp is like 19. Yeah. Um, Finn Wolfhard's 20, Millie Bobby Brown's probably 19. Yeah. Yeah. So they wouldn't like do well as like a pair, like say it was like Hunter Schaefer uh, as Princess Zelda and then or, a casting the Stranger Kids thing. That's wait, one I wait, did wait, not wait. Think of. Twilight, Twilight Princess, Sadie Sink as Princess Zelda, and Dylan O'Brien. <laughs> As, as Link, oh, Mel. No. I don't know if you've watched the all too well ten minutes. I've seen it. <laughs> I've seen Yikes. it. I'm thinking thoughts. That's, that's quite a bit of an age difference, though. Yeah. So maybe no. Except in Twilight Princess, they don't actually really have a romance. That's their relationship is very different in Twilight Princess, and I could see that. But now I'm just thinking, Sadie Sink is Zelda. I. 
I like that. I'm not opposed. To th- I like that a lot. And I'm surprised. I didn't even think of the Stranger Things cast. Yeah. They, I don't know. They, I was thinking the younger, the better in this scenario. Cause I was thinking of younger link. So I don't know. I feel like they have a lot of potential. And as, as far as like names that we don't know, I think they're only known mostly for stranger things. I don't know them except for Millie Bobby Brown, like outside of stranger things. I haven't seen them gain that level of recognition as anything, but the kids from stranger things. So I'd like to see them get into some more credits um, and and some more recognition there. Yeah, I feel like I think it's really hard when you're like ch- child actors, basically, because yeah. it's like it's. I mean, we saw this kind of with like the Harry Potter cast. It's like, are they? A lot of them are maybe not the best actors as they get older, but we're like perfect for their roles. I think the Stranger Things cast, like, there's a reason Millie Bobby Brown and like Sadie Sink. I've been getting like more impressive roles to me watching the show they kind of act circles around their co-stars um not to say that the others can't do it they may just need to like grow into acting just a little bit more um but i could i could see noah i could see noah snap who plays will byers like i'm not opposed to it that one could surprise me maybe he like tests really well if he like auditions i don't know i could see it's it would be nice to see them in anything but Stranger Things. It's really hard to be like, are they a good actor or are they not? When it's like, yeah. you can only kind of think of one role for them. Um, and you've only seen them directed by like one person or like, it's 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 different until you yeah. see them in more things. So I, I do have that. one more Ganondorf curveball. That's Jason mm-hmm. Momoa. I would oh. love to see Jason Momoa as Ganondorf. My I man. think like- as as silly as it Sorry. seems, we saw him as a wonderful villain in the Fast and Furious franchise. <laughs> I did so, not watch I cannot believe you still haven't watched it, first of all. But that's besides the point. I think he did great as a villain. I think he had, like, just the right amount of, like, sass and, like, fun and, like, whatever. But he's also really capable of being, like, a really mean and scary and brooding character. So I would love to see Jason Momoa. Uh, transform into a different kind okay. of character. Though. Maybe we might I've not only have seen, seen like I've only, I've seen clips from that movie, and maybe I saw the worst of him in that role because to me, I have never seen something cheesier in my life, and I was like, "This is supposed to it be was the perfect. villain." <laughs> he's going for something. He's going for. Yeah. So, he's in a different. Movie I don't than know everybody what it is. <laughs> he is yeah. in a different yeah. movie than everyone else because I watched a lot of clips. And I just, I don't know. One day, one day I'll watch it. But I'm, I'm behind on the Fast and Furious movies. Ever since Paul Walker died, I like stopped watching. So yeah, fair. I'm kind of okay with that fact. But maybe one day I'll be like, I'm in the mood for garbage, and we'll watch them. <laughs> well, I like the idea, Mel. I'm all, I'm on the hook for Thanks, Legend Sam. of Zelda X. <laughs> Thank you, Tokyo Drift. <laughs> I do like Jason Momoa. It's yeah. Um, I also feel some way about the, those movies. <laughs> yeah, same, same. Don't but I just don't like his like James Wan's stature name in, my, in my presence. <laughs> <laughs> I don't actually think it. I don't think it's because of James Wan. It's okay. He tries his best, my man. He does. <laughs> I yeah. I was like James. I love the Conjuring. I love the Insidious movies. I still need to see Mal- Malignant. 
banger. That's what I've heard. <laughs> well, much to look forward to. If if you can take yeah, anything yeah. from this episode, much to look forward to. I I am excited for future future discussions about like all of these things. Yeah. Yes. Um, because I think we all are very opinionated people, and we have very we're smart people. Okay, we've got very opinionated <laughs> and smart thoughts, and if we don't all agree, it's fine. <laughs> um. <laughs> but okay, great. I think like I think that's it for our episode this week. Um, to everyone who lis- who's listening, thank you for joining us on this fun little journey. Um, I hope you, if you're in the States, I hope you have a great Thanksgiving. We will not have an episode next week. We will be back the week after. I may have a different setup. I may be recording while I'm in Missouri. We'll see. Um, but yeah, Sam, Mel, have a great Thanksgiving. Enjoy your time off. Eat some good food. Mel's going to see my cat while I'm gone. Give her so all excited. the love. I don't know where she's at. I was going to pick her up, but she's abandoned me. Um, Yeah. Mel, where can everybody find you? I am at Mel Gazaz on all platforms, including Instagram, Twitter, uh, Letterboxd, Goodreads, all of the things. You can find me there. Yes. We got Mel to join Letterboxd as well. I'm just basically morphing you into a mini me. Letterboxd. <laughs> Taylor Taylor Swift. I don't know why I said that with a country accent that wasn't on purpose. Taylor like, Swift. Taylor Swift. <laughs> oh my god, I'm losing it. I, guys, I need to go take a break. Um, Sam, where can everyone find you? Everywhere, including Twitter, Instagram, and most importantly, Letterboxd at Sam Scott Mosier. Uh, follow me to find all of the movies I will be trying to cram in uh, over the Thanksgiving holiday. Where can people find you, Caitlin? They can find me at Caitlin Redwing, also on everything, Twitter, Instagram, Letterbox. Um, and you guys can all find the podcast at Realtime Strats on Twitter, Realtime Strategy on YouTube, on all your podcast platforms. Give us give us a like if you're watching on YouTube. It helps a lot. Leave us some comments. And you can email us at podcast at triplepointpr.com if you've got feedback or you have got a guest for us we're always welcome to hear that from you guys so thank you for listening mel thank you again for coming on it's a great discussion you're my little my little events partner in crime i love it i love it thank you sam for being a great co-host i hope you guys have a, a good thanksgiving and we'll see y'all later